Oh come on! People don't listen to what we say. They don't. <laughs> if we say we're going to be back in a week, it could be a week. Like, they're shaking their heads at each other. No, it's not going to happen. Whose fault was it? Mine or yours? Uh, Mine or yours? This is the real quiz. It's definitely yours. Fuck you! <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> you have a social life. I have children. It's the difference. Well, there you go. That's the problem. Maybe I should. Maybe I should give up my social life, and you should give up your children, and we can do this all the time. Yeah, you can have them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, right, okay, let's... Um, don't mean it. <laughs> yeah. Keep it fucking I was down. starting to get palpitations. I thought I was going to actually have to give up my social life then. Um, right, so let's move into what's happened since we've been gone. Um, we're going to go in since with... Since you've been gone. We could use that as the... I can't breathe. Don't talk over it. <laughs> <laughs> we actually did a podcast in a different place today. Uh, I don't know if you'll notice any... Lack of dynamism. It's a new studio, isn't it? Kind of. Yeah, yeah in a way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it's new. As I, as I technically. <laughs> we are going to go straight in with what happened last week. So, Flanagan versus Matthews, bring it up to date. I have no idea. All right, so um, the WBO lightweight title, um, Terry Flanagan, who's a title holder, uh, going into Derry Matthews' backyard in Liverpool. Um, and it was underwhelming, it'd be fair to say. So Matthews, who's got a long and journeyed career, he's um, <clears throat> he's done it the hard way. It was his fiftieth fight, uh, that one, his first world title shot. Um, you know, he's kind of retired a few years back and come back, and he's had losses. And he's a great example to any fighters that kind of lose a couple and then look at packing the game in. Is that he's persevered and finally got himself that world title shot. Probably, you know, I'm guessing when he looks back at it in a couple of years' time or whatever, he's probably going to think he didn't quite leave everything in the ring that night. Um, it didn't quite live up to expectations. He's got this reputation of being dirty, Derry Matthews. Um, he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't dirty enough in certain ways. He allowed Flanagan to use his skills and outbox him, and Flanagan was happy to do that for 12 rounds. So um, it was a bit of a. A letdown. I mean, in a in a similar vein, I suppose to like Frampton Quig at the beginning of this year, it hasn't really caught fire as a boxing year, and that didn't help in any way. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, that was a a poor excuse of a fight given the build up, wasn't it? The Frampton yeah, Quig. So, yeah. So, um, um, to for you to compare it to that is kind of a bit of an indictment, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the funniest thing coming out of it was uh, there was a talk of Flanagan fighting Anthony Crawler. Crawler's got a fight coming out with Barroso uh, that we'll talk about later. But uh, Flanagan and Crawler used to go to school together um, from Manchester, both of them. And uh, Frank Warren, who promotes Terry Flanagan, had spoken. He'd offered 500 grand um, to Crawler to fight Flanagan. Just, just from the headmaster at school. <laughs> yeah, so he'd offered five hundred grand. This was in advance of uh, the Flanagan Matthews fight for for Crawler to take the fight with uh, Flanagan. And Eddie Hearn, Crawler's promoter, turned it down. Said no, you know we <clears throat> we're happy for the fight to happen, but we're going to make money out of it. Like that's not enough money. Um, and then after the uh, the show, which was up in Liverpool, uh, the Echo Arena, I think. Hearn and Warren had a very well. Though it's not Frank Warren that runs it, but Frank Warren's Twitter account had a very rare uh, interaction. That uh, basically Hearn made some snidey comment about there being about two and a half thousand people in the arena um, when you know he would easily have sold it out. Um, and you know, five hundred grand 
wasn't great and uh, the Frank Warren Twitter account came firing back with something saying you know the money's in the account let's get it on and uh, Eddie Hearn then tweeted something back about that's not what your account's say from uh, when they were last published <laughs> which was on the back of I think they'd made about three and a half million pound loss last year or something it was announced uh, Frank Warren's lot so uh, yeah that was probably the most interesting thing coming out of it was that Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren actually bothered to have some interaction um, but don't expect that fight to happen anytime soon. What Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn? <laughs> <laughs> I fancy Hearn for that man. He's younger, <laughs> yeah. better reach, bigger. Um, okay, so Rob, I think we don't have much else to discuss that's that's passed. Unless you want to elaborate more on that fight. No, not really. I mean, it was a bit of a quiet weekend this weekend. Um, there was a good win show down at York Hall. Had um, two Southern Area title fights on it, which had. Uh, the main event was Matthew Chander and Jamie Spate for the Southern Area Super Bantamweight title which I think it was Chander's only sixth fight um, and Jamie Spate is a former two weights he was going for his third weight Southern Area title and Chander beat him fairly comprehensively it looked I didn't actually get down there because of uh, child duties but uh, I ended up watching it on a stream on Facebook that somebody was uh, putting on mm-hmm. Um and yeah, it looked like Chanda, who's a very busy, very tight fighter. Um, he could be going places. He's a, a good little addition to a super bantamweight division. And then there was Sahal Ahmed versus Rakeem Noble for the Southern Area Light Welterweight title. Um, again, I say I wasn't down there, but from uh, the reports that I've read, it was a bit of a, a bit of a tear up. Um, Ahmed got dropped twice in the first round. Um, Noble then got dropped once in the second round and then it was all over by about the fourth I think when uh, Noble stopped him um, so yeah it sounded like a bit of a, a bit of a decent evening's entertainment but I didn't make it down so I can't comment too much um, I just want to alert people's attention not that they'll be able to see it but when potentially whenever you see this I, d- I hear this podcast I don't know where you're going to be when you get the chance Go and get a pint glass and just measure the base of the pint glass <laughs> up, against, up against the sole of your foot, and then uh, and then try and fit two of them. <laughs> Imagine a hole the size of the bottom of that pint glass. Yeah. Two of them that big. That's the size of the holes in mine socks. Yeah, as I said earlier, actually, I think it's more hole than sock. Like it's actually overtaken as a percentage. It's unreal. I is I was amazed that when you've put them on, you haven't thought to yourself, "Wait a minute, I've still got to put my socks on." They look down before you still got socks. So you're right. There's, I don't know where all that fabric's gone. They're almost like foot mittens. <laughs> or uh, they're the ones with the gloves, yeah, fingerless gloves. Yeah. That's uh, that's the look I'm going for. Or because they cover your toes, it's almost like you've just got finger socks on or something. Why are you giving me shit? <laughs> Why are you giving me shit? What am I doing? <laughs> well, there's nothing else to talk about what happened this week. So let's move. <laughs> so we're going to talk about my sock collection. <laughs> um, okay, my let's wife move on. Will nod a lot when you <laughs> say again. My wife will nod a lot when she listens to this. <laughs> Uh, they're impressive. They're, they're impressive that they're still on your feet, actually. I was going to say how long I can make them You're sit, sitting there fiddling, pulling the hole over his toes <laughs> back again. <laughs> Such is the size of it. Um, okay, Chris Eubank versus Nick Blackwell. That's coming up. Yeah, this weekend. Um, Channel 5. Down in London. Um, it should be a great fight, this one. So for the uh, British middleweight title which Nick Blackwell currently holds. I don't know much about Nick Blackwell, I must admit. Right, Nick Blackwell, he's got a handful of losses on his record. So he lost to Martin Murray, um, who Martin Murray was kind of operating near world title level, whilst Nick Blackwell was kind of at the beginning of his career. So it's far too early for Blackwell, and he admits it. I've done a, an interview with Nick before, and he's quite open about it. He said, you know, I just took it because it was there. Um, Blackwell comes from, he's very very rare in the sense that he has no amateur background in boxing he comes from the unlicensed scene um, so there are quite a few professional boxers that come from unlicensed boxing but they tend to have a limit to how far they get in the sport which is normally well below um, British level um, generally to do with what political reasons or Ooh, skill skill right um, Amateur boxing is not like the be-all and end-all because it's two different disciplines between amateur and boxing. You know, amateurs 
historically been point based and yeah. um, it's kind of hit and don't get hit a lot. We've covered I think we covered this before, didn't we? Yeah. Um but it's a very good grounding, a very good set of lessons for fighters and most of the professional fighters that reach any kind of standard are former amateurs. Uh, Nick Blackwell isn't. He's just purely from the unlicensed scene, which uh, is a lot more similar, I suppose, in many ways to professional boxing. Um, and yeah, so he's probably overachieved to an extent. Um, but his style is is harsh. I was going to use the word agricultural, like um, simplistic, but that's quite harsh in him. But he's a big hitter. Um, he can punch, but he can box as well. Like he's not just a. You a you can. I remember using that specific word to describe Spiker Sullivan. Yeah. Are they um, in any way similar? Those two boxers. Blackwell's probably a better boxer. They're actually quite good friends as well. Oh, Spiker hey. Sullivan and Blackwell. They train together, and uh, so whether Spike has, has passed anything on to Blackwell about how to handle Eubank because Spike boxed him in December. Um, so yeah, this is it's a really interesting one. So Eubank. As I say, he fought Spike in December. This is his first fight since then. This is the this fight is the reason that Eubanks no longer on Sky. Um, it went to purse bids this fight, and Eddie Hearn didn't win it. Mick Hennessy won it for Channel Five, um, and as part of Eubanks' contract with Eddie Hearn, he only had about a three-fight contract. He'd only fulfilled, I think, maybe two of them. Um, if Hearn didn't win a purse bid, he could go somewhere else. <laughs> so he took him up on that option, and he's now fighting back at the Blue Water Shopping Centre uh, in Essex. A bit of an odd one, but then that's Eubank all over. Isn't he? Isn't he somewhat ostracising himself by? Yes. By he's he's because he's, he's been he's been in Frank Warren's camp, hasn't he? Then he's he moved to Eddie Warren. Hearn, and now he's with Mick Hennessy. Yeah. Where does he go after that? He's not really with Hennessy either. He's kind of a bit of a, a free agent um, in a sense of this is a one-off. So I think and he's probably it, building his own... Well, he is building his own name and his own reputation and he can promote himself to some extent. I guess he's probably going to end up back with Hearn after this. Really? Okay. But his old man's part of the reason, you know. He's, yeah, I would kind of say that because there is, a, there is obviously some weight behind the name Eubank and anyone who's watched Eubank Jr. fighting realise he is an exciting boxer to watch so to some extent if you're aware of him you want to see more of him and if you're not aware of necessarily him you still know the name Eubank yeah. so it is kind of self-promoting but it just feels I just can't see it's a good idea to be isolating yourself no you know, flitting from... around and he also pisses people off or like his team do so um, you know Frank Warren has said how difficult he was to deal with for the Billy Joe Saunders fight um, Hearn said openly kind of Chris Eubank Senior is difficult to deal with, so yeah, he burns a lot of bridges. But he also makes money, and money talks ultimately at the end yeah. of it. So uh, I'm sure they'll take him back. Any of those promoters, when there's a big enough fight and a big enough reason to do so, um, you know, if there's talk of Saunders versus Eubank potentially again later on in the summer or towards the end of the year, then I'm sure Frank Warren. If someone said to Frank Warren, it will make you a million pounds, he'll talk to him. Yeah. You hope they can fight in a shed and they can just light a load of cigarettes this time. Just like in the eggs. Still bitching about it. <laughs> I hated it. Um, uh, on that, if they both keep winning, surely that's a logical fight to then happen, isn't it? Eubank um, Saunders again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Blackwell's boxed Saunders as well in the past and lost. Um, so it could logically be if Blackwell beat Eubank, then... Blackwell Saunders down the line is a fight that could happen again. Um, are you of the opinion that Eubank lost to Saunders because um, he just got out of the blocks too slowly? Or did the reason I say that is because when we watched Saunders Andy Lee, I, I didn't think Saunders was great by any means. No. He knocked Andy Lee down twice, was it, in like the second or third round, and then just shut up shop. And you could argue that was tactical. But I just thought, if you're that good a boxer, you you can you can also have some element of attack in amongst that sort of after the after fire. Saunders boxed Eubank, he came out with this. <clears throat> he said basically the reason that he uh, or Eubank dominated the last five six rounds of it was because Saunders was saying he wasn't sure if the fight was going to happen or not. He said because there was so much fucking about between the parties and specifically from Eubank that he just wasn't sure the fight was going ahead. So he didn't prepare properly for it. 
Which is fine. Like, there's a reason. You can kind of accept that. But then, what's your reason why you were crap for the last five rounds against Andy Lee? <laughs> yeah. It's because you don't look like a boxer. You're not... I don't know. Like, there's... A, to me, yeah. he doesn't look like the most disciplined of... I, fi- I find boxes. it odd that he's winning. That's why I, f- I find it odd that he's... It's almost like he gets... It could be a bit unfair, but it's almost like he gets lucky with a knockdown. And then he thinks, oh, brilliant. And he just steps, gets back in his yeah. box again. It's like, not like he's not the most offensive fighter, so he'll tend to... Yeah. <clears throat> All right, yeah. He wins rounds through not doing a massive amount, but he's very skilled at doing it. Like, it's not a criticism of him in that sense, because he's very, very skilled. Um, what pisses me off I mean again we're going to talk later on about fights coming up but his first title defence is Max Bursak which I won't go into it now we'll go into it later and then they're talking about they want Golovkin for him later on in the year now Saunders was offered more to fight Golovkin than David Lemieux who was the WBA title holder was offered to fight Golovkin David Lemieux took it Saunders turned it down um just bonkers. This, but it wasn't this when he said, "I don't want to fight him <coughs> because he'll yeah. <laughs> he'll wait for him to get over the hill first. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so he was offered like that amount of money, more than what Lemieux took the fight for. He was offered more than that, turned it down, and then they announced his Bursak defense, and then they spend their time Frank Warren and Co. saying, "Oh, we're building towards a big summer fight for Billy Joe Saunders. We could have Golovkin in the summer." Get the fuck! You could have had him now, <laughs> yeah. but you bottled it, and like you've been offered good money to take that fight, but you bottled it. But but still, if he takes Golovkin in the summer, Golovkin's not past it yet. No, they're not going to take Golovkin in the summer. This is the right, point. Okay. They go, oh, we've got a really soft landing of like Max Bursak. Oh, but it's all right because we're building towards a big fight. Probably right. Golovkin. You're not fucking buying Golovkin. Shut up. Um, plus, Golovkin is now mandated to fight the winner of Canelo Khan, which is May fifth. Um, so they've got, I think, fifteen day, uh, ten or fifteen days after the Canelo Khan fight, the winner has to tell the WBC whether they intend to fight the mandatory challenger, which is Golovkin. Right. Okay. If they say yes, they've then got ten or fifteen days to agree purses for it. And if they don't, it'll go to a purse bid, and then that fight will happen next. So Golovkin is tied up on that basis until October, November time, reasonably. So it's not going to happen in the yeah. summer. Glovkin's got a fight coming up against Dominic Wade. It will um, forego then, just so he can fight Saunders. Yeah, <laughs> and so they use Golovkin's name in the same way that Eddie Hearn does it as well. Like that, he's not just having yeah. to go about Frank Warren, but in the same way Kel Brook has had crap fights, and it's always a talk and we've got the big one coming up around the corner. So they use this like carrot and stick initiative to get people to come and watch this one because the next one's going to be huge. I can't personally remember when the next one has actually been huge, apart yeah. from Framir Khan. <laughs> like, ironically, it's, uh, yeah, it, it annoys me a lot. But uh, there you go. Sorry, go on. I was I was just going to digress slightly. Um, when you know when you've had those like pub conversations about what special like superpower you'd want, I've often digress thought slightly. Sorry. <laughs> I, yeah, right. Divert mass. I'm bringing it back round to it. Um, basically, you've always you've always got those like ones that think you you know you could mind control and stuff like that. Well, those are already good, but I can imagine that it'd end up getting you in trouble somehow. So if you thought of, I'd like a really passive. I had to have a superpower, and it was a passive one. What I'd like you is to listen to a boxing podcast. Yeah, yeah, the ability to see through the shit that people give you. So yeah. like, if you was watching Sky Sports and it's like. Leicester are going to be making a bid for Messi in the summer. That's obviously absolute crap. But the way that they manipulate certain stories, and you think, I must have read about 17 times that Jose Mourinho is going to, go, going to be main night manager yeah. at various points. None of it's come true. Um, and like you say there about um, the Glovkin, I'd love to be able to just see through that. I mean, to some extent, obviously you can. That's why you've, you've spoken about that. But it really winds me up just how much... You, you invest in a sport and you want to find out what's going on in it, but you just get fed so much crap and you have to put up with it. It's it's, it's painful. Well, sometimes. they all. You know how like I don't know Hollyoaks on a Sunday morning where they have the omnibus and they have that <laughs> geezer in the bottom corner doing the side. Pain- <laughs> <laughs> like if you had that geezer in the bottom corner of every program, yeah, that would encourage me to learn <laughs> sign language if he was just interpreting everything that people said. Yeah, that'd be interesting, um, wouldn't it? Yeah. 
And then <laughs> just doing random sort of like derogatory hand gestures when someone comes, <laughs> someone comes up with absolute dog shit. Like, no, no chance. Not happening, mate. <laughs> but I, I was having a conversation not long back actually with a friend about um, how to make press conferences more interesting for boxing. Right. Saying like a couple of the last time, apart from Fury bombing in as Batman, <laughs> when was a press conference interesting? Like, how could you make it more interesting? Um, and on a similar vein, he was saying, like, wouldn't it be great if when a fighter's asked a question about, like, oh, you know, what do you think to this fight coming up? And they're going, oh, you know, I'm really confident about it. If you could just halt proceedings and go, wait a minute, no, you're not, because, like, I've heard from your gym mates that, like, you're shitting it about this fight. <laughs> 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 but you know, if there was an opportunity to, like, interject and, like, oh, you know, I've, I've, the person's asked for this fight with me, and it's like, well, no, they didn't. You've asked for it because you know mm. you can beat this person. And, how could you make press conferences more interesting? Cut the bullshit and like have an opportunity to correct people when they're. Uh... It's almost like um, pandering, isn't it? To some extent, yeah. uh, you've got a Q and A session, but it's not really. Yeah. You can ask a question and then I'll say what. It's like a. I mean, obviously, because of the sport it is, but it's just like grandstanding, isn't it? Until people are interested enough to pay twelve quid for a pay per view, exactly, or uh, download on the internet, yeah, or stream it. Much better. Um, okay, so. Let's move on to Kelbrook versus Kevin Bizio. Yeah. What can you tell me about that? No shit. So don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah, it it kind of from your language, body language, <laughs> extra uh, increased sock hole fiddling. <laughs> this is when I go back to oh, there's the big fight around the corner. Syndrome. You were talking about this one. <laughs> this is the big fight yeah. we've been waiting on. Don't get me wrong. This is okay. Right. So let's take it back to when. Kel Brook won the IBF title, welterweight title from Sean Porter. We're looking at eighteen months ago or something. Um, and like his next fight he had to take was um, a mandatory, and that was against Jojo Dan. So he took that. It was underwhelming, but it's a mandatory. He had to take it. Was to drop the belt. Okay, kind of accept that. Um, and then his next fight after that was against Frankie Gavin, which headlined the pay per view. Which was underwhelming because he beat up Frankie Gavin as ninety five percent of people predicted he would. <laughs> it wasn't a big fight. The welterweight division is laced with quality names. Frankie Gavin, no offense to Frankie Gavin, he wasn't. He isn't one of those quality yeah. names. Um, and then he gets himself injured, and well, I can't remember the, the you know the um, the narrative around it of what happened when, but he had that injury where he got stabbed out in Tenerife. Um, and so this is his second defence now, having beaten Sean... No, sorry, third defence. Having beaten Sean Porter, beat Jojo Dan, Frankie Gavin, now Kevin Bizier. This is a prime example where they keep saying, like, oh, after the Frankie Gavin fight or whatever, yeah, he was meant to fight Diego Chavez towards the end of last year. It didn't happen because he got injured. So even Diego Chavez wasn't an overwhelming name. It was a decent name, but not one of the... If you had to draw out, like, five elite welterweights... 12 months ago, Kel Brook would have been like two or three on that list. But now it's. Yeah, he's not. Could he be. Could he be. This really is a stab in the dark question. I have nothing to back yeah. it up. <laughs> could he be um, yeah. accused of chasing an Amir Khan fight the same way Amir Khan's chased oh, yeah. the Mayweather Pacquiao fight? Absolutely. <clears throat> and that's why he's kind yeah. of treading water. But there's so many other options as well. Because if you think of it in levels, like Brooks chasing Amir Khan's name, and Amir Khan has, you know, like slagged him off for it. Amir Khan's been chasing Mayweather and Pacquiao. They're the elite names in that division. Amir Khan isn't the elite name in that division. He's a good name. But there are other good names as well. So yes, chase Amir Khan. But at the same time, you could have been chasing... Timothy Bradley, Keith Thurman. You could have had Sean Porter again. You could have Errol Spence Jr. who's coming up. Manny Pacquiao. You, you could have gone for that. It, anything. But you end up with Jojo Dan, Frankie Gavin, Kevin Bizier. For the record, Kevin Bizier has lost twice to Jojo Dan, who Kel Brook beat. So, <laughs> I mean, I know it's styles made fights, so you can't take that as a definite. But this it's is a, a good indicator, though, isn't it? Amir Khan doesn't hold a world title and yet gets a fight with Canelo Alvarez. What difference is holding a world title? What benefit has there been to Kel Brook in holding that title? It's meant that he's had to fight Jojo Dan and now this dude, because this is a mandatory as well. 
and they're talking about oh we're trying to get Timothy Bradley over for like a summer match or whatever. So what um what would have been well let, let, okay so so he has this fight. What would if you were his manager, just purely arranging fights? What would you do next for him? What would you try and do next? They either need to pay big money and get Timothy Bradley, Keith Thurman, although Keith Thurman's tied up now with Sean Porter uh, in June, I think. Um, either pay some money to get a decent fighter over or send him over to America and get one of the big names over there. But don't keep him in England fighting shit names. Like That's the worst thing to do with him because he becomes irrelevant at that point. Fight Jojo Dunnigan. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Frankie <laughs> Gannon's coming back soon. He's been banned and uh, he'll be back soon. Um, but the worst thing you can do is keep him in this country fighting poor names because you get ridiculed for it and fans lose interest and there's really really bad sales I think for this well this actually fight. you say yeah it's, it's he's just not in the forefront of of just boxing I mean he's living on the name that he's had in the past at the moment right Kel Brook oh yeah I know that name kind of thing you know um, he's, he's certainly not at the forefront of his sport at the moment which is which they, is a shame really they tried to turn him into a pay-per-view star so you know like, yes him and Frankie Gavin had a massive undercard with world title fights there was Mitchell Linares on there and it was the night I think Lee Selby beat Gradovich for his world title so that was a, a pay-per-view card that had three world title fights but his was the main one on it his was the like headline one so they were clearly at that point trying to move him towards being a pay-per-view star and it's not happening because A he's injured too often and like fighting too irregularly and B they're just getting crap opponents for him so it, it's a bit of a perfect storm of doing it badly um, so what would I do with him I would get him a, you know, a passageway out of the UK somehow so let's talk about the Looney Tune, Shannon Briggs. He is back in the UK, uh, former heavyweight champion. Tell me about him. Yeah, all right. So Shannon Briggs um, lost a few years back to uh, Klitschko. And yeah, since then he's been fighting um, like poor opposition. So he's been, he's been calling it his world tour. He's, uh, he's fought in some obscure places. He keeps winning. like He's getting his first round knockouts against nobodies. But he's turned up in the UK. He hasn't got a fight schedule. And he's uh, been doing a lot of filming with IFL TV, who uh, cover a lot of boxing. You probably know Briggs best at the moment from his chant. Like, Let's go, champ! Let's go, champ! It's all you'll hear from him when you see him. Um, but he's highly amusing. Like, he's fucking mental. So he turns up, he's... Saying he's on, uh, he hasn't got a return plane ticket. He's just over here to chase down like Britain's best heavyweight. So he's after Joshua Fury. Hey, um, he wants a fight with one of them. And so uh, there was a video that they filmed the other day where he was uh, <laughs> he was at the gym where David Hay trains. He turned up there and was like just banging on the door and like pressing the intercom trying to get in. Um, and he went to Buckingham Palace. <laughs> to go and he's like, I'm going to meet the Queen whilst I'm here <laughs> and the police turned up to move him on he's like why am I being too loud am I waking her up uh, so like he's very good at hyping himself and so one of the things they filmed actually was him meeting Eddie Hearn um, and it was quite an interesting video actually they discussed the possibility of him fighting on a matchroom show um, so <laughs> what's interesting about it is not Briggs particularly because Briggs didn't say an awful lot but it was interesting to see, and I'm amazed that he Hearn let it be filmed and put out there, because it was basically Eddie Hearn showing off his sales technique to like, imagine a fighter. Okay, you've got Shannon Briggs, former world heavyweight title holder, a potential opponent. Like if Anthony Joshua won the world title, he's a potential opponent for Joshua. He'd also been on like Box Nation the day before, so he's not affiliated to any uh, promoter in the UK. And so this was Hearn like, doing his sales pitch as to why he should work with him, basically. And they filmed it and put it up, um, which I was amazed about. Because, I mean, basically, like, when going back to what you were saying earlier about reading between the lines, if you read between the lines of what Hearn was actually saying to him, and at times you didn't really have to read that hard, it was quite explicit, <laughs> was, look, we'll hype you up against shit opponents, we'll build a story... And that story becomes bigger and bigger, and then we can put you in with like the fighter you're after. How, how old is he? Uh, mid thirties, I think. Mid thirties. Um, 
mid to late forties. He's old. Like you said, he keeps winning. He keeps winning. He keeps beating up nobodies and beating them up in the first round. So they were talking about possibly putting him on uh, in the Glasgow show they've got coming up in April. Um, so I don't know how long he's going to be over in the UK for. He says he's on a, a one-way ticket. He hasn't got a return booked. <laughs> As though that's what you need to leave the UK. Because <laughs> you can't buy tickets to leave the UK once you're in the UK. <laughs> well, yeah, he's beating Rigandau, who didn't fight on the Flanagan Matthews card the other week. Who like, wasn't given a visa or they didn't sort his visa out. <sighs> fucking shambles. Um, yeah, that is always a frustration, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was quite a, an interesting video to see how Eddie Hearn pitches himself to a fighter who's essentially a free agent and could be a big name and could be a potential opponent for the likes of Anthony Joshua. I must be honest, that surprised me. when you Just given what we've spoken about already, I, I kind of, when he'd come over to... I was, my question actually was to you, do you think he's actually going to get a fight against any of them? Like, would he even... Would, I mean, I just thought probably Hay at best would fight him. But you think that maybe Joshua even? If Hearn can secure him, you know, like sign him up, Hearn would work. Hearn wouldn't just put him on in Glasgow. This is the thing with it. He's a smart man. Like, for Hay, Hay just needs an opponent for his fight. Just pick somebody and it will sell. Yeah, that's true, yeah. You know, like the TV network side of it, he's clearly, Hay isn't pitching himself as a pay-per-view star yet. Uh, or again, he's not pitching himself yet again as a, a pay-per-view star. He's clearly happy to build himself up. To that end, he'll probably sell out the O2. But TV-wise, we'll see what happens. It may end up on Dave again. It may end up on Sky. It may end up on ITV Channel Five. Whatever. Nobody knows yet. Um, the opponent is kind of irrelevant, really. He mm. just needs to pick okay. an opponent. Now he could just pick Shannon Briggs and like pay Shannon Briggs and they fight. Job done. For Hearn, he plays more of a long game. So, like, if he's thinking, he thinks more like three steps ahead in that sense because he's managing Anthony Joshua. So, he's got to assume Anthony Joshua wins a world title in April. Who can he defend against that isn't too dangerous that is going to sell something? So, if he wants it to sell, there's got to be a reason why it sells. Now, Anthony Joshua sells himself to an extent. Like, say Anthony Joshua sells. 300,000 pay-per-views just by the name Anthony Joshua call it 500,000 with a world title title, in place he then wants it to be a million like that'll be his aim is a million pay-per-views say so if he starts building Shannon Briggs today if he could come up with a deal with Shannon Briggs today to fight in Scotland in April and then maybe in England in you know June or something easy fights you don't have to have them that far apart but you can start building that profile in the UK you can start to expose him to a Sky audience you can start to build up a bit of a rivalry and a feud with Anthony Joshua and then you build it into a paper yeah a few more more, uh, engineered yeah exactly that and that's kind of what he was saying as well like he wasn't he wasn't hiding that fact Um, again if you slightly interpret what he's saying yeah I haven't said that it's just kind of when you when you think realistically about it, that's kind of what people are happy and expect from a. Like, you want people to you want a story to be created. If you were literally going to sit there and because oh, you can tell when there's genuine sort of hatred between two boxers, can't you? And you can sometimes tell when there's there's a fabricated story. But ultimately, as long as it feels realistic enough, it's all almost like a voluntary suspension yeah, of reality. But this is like WWF. <laughs> if you open up the doors and like had a look behind what happened, so. <laughs> You know, you build somebody from like the bottom, you know, their first ever match in a WWF to making them a world title holder in a year or whatever. You know, you build a Hulk Hogan. That's basically what Hearn's saying is that, like, look, we bring you in, we bring you into Scotland, we expose you to some audiences, we build you up, we build you up, you have some interaction with Joshua along the way, you build it into a world title pay per view fight. But he's telling us that's what he's doing. Like, we know that's what he's doing anyway. Yeah. But to actually come out and say it, because boxing ought to be. You fight the best. You fight yeah. the best available. Nah, I suppose that's true. Not yeah. you pick some fucking old bum. Okay. Start to build them yeah. up. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Build that profile and then it sells. I wasn't really bucks. thinking about that specifically because you're absolutely right. Like boxers, also, Boxing fans also want to see, like you say, the best. They don't want Danny Joshua to get three easy defences of his title. That's what Deontay Wilder's done. Yeah. But like, this is where Hearn's thinking. Is He's thinking three moves down the line. If it's a game of chess, he's thinking like three moves down the line. 
and he's starting now. Well, how long? How many defenses would um, Joshua be able to choose? Once he wins it, can he do one, and then he's got oh, a mandatory? Is it? Uh, I should say it's a year. You have a year between mandatories, but I don't know when the last mandatory for that belt was because all these belts were held up. Um, actually, saying that, the mandatory would have been the fight between Charles Martin and uh, the guy that he beat, for the, yeah, time, like the Polish guy. That was a mandatory because that was when mm. Fury got stripped of that belt because he couldn't meet that mandatory defense. Um, so that was gonna. By the time um, this fight, I think that was in January, so this would be April time when Fury, uh, sorry, Joshua and Martin fight. So he'll have about nine months, and if he wins, he's got about nine months until he'd have to make another mandatory. In so which time you what, could fit one two. fight? Oh, okay, maybe, maybe um, two. Yeah. So okay. Don't be surprised, based on everything we just said, it's the second of those. If this all happened, is Shannon Briggs. Because he's really good. Yeah, because he's <laughs> the best possible opponent out there <laughs> yeah. to enhance it. Oh, mid forties, uh, especially with the, um, the heavyweight division being as rich yeah, the pool as it is. Of available yeah. Um, but I, 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 the more it, the more it gets talked about, I'd like to see how he fight a few more fights. And see what he's actually got in his locker, but I kind of would like to see Hey Joshua. I yeah. think just test test Joshua out, and at the very least, yeah, if Hey can beat Joshua, then it shows maybe that he's got a bit more in his locker now that he's been. Who's he been trained by now? Uh, Shane McGuire. And this, yeah, okay. Um, okay, let's move on to the. Uh, well, you've actually written down Huey Fury to Frank Warren question mark so. Um, please elaborate. Right, so it's announced this week, a little bit out of the blue. <clears throat> right, Huey Fury has a fight coming up on Channel 5, on the undercard of Blackwell versus uh, Eubank, this coming Saturday. It was That's on Mick Hennessy's Channel 5 show. Mick Hennessy has worked with Tyson Fury and Huey Fury like from the beginning. Um and yeah, like Tyson Fury has done a couple of Frank Warren shows and things, but Hennessy's still there. So Huey Fury's got a fight coming up this Saturday. I don't know who the opponent is now because the one who originally fighting was cancelled last night, but they've got another one in apparently. But then it was announced midweek that um, Huey Fury's going to fight on the, the, an upcoming Frank Warren card as well. Um but nobody's come out to clarify if that means that... Oh, he signed with Frank Warren, I think, was the terms. Mick Hennessy's still apparently going to be involved, but it's a bit of an odd one because Mick Hennessy's so integral to the whole Fury setup. Um, nobody's really come out and clarified anything about it other than Peter Fury put a tweet out the other day saying um, people shouldn't worry about my son. You know, we've got the best intentions for him and Mick Hennessy's always a part of our team. That was about it. So... It doesn't mean anything like definitively one way or the other. It's just an odd move to come out um, without further explanation from anyone other than just saying Huey Fury is now going to be fighting on some Frank Warren shows. Because fighters don't really flick between one and the other. And and you would get... If in, if anyone was going to stick religiously almost to their promoter, yeah. it would be the Furies, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. Um, there has been talk Mick Hennessy's losing his Channel 5 TV date. So perhaps they're like safeguarding him to an extent, like safeguarding Huey Fury, that if Hennessy does lose those Channel 5 dates, he's got another home he can go to where he'll still be on TV, still get the exposure that he needs. Um, but yeah, just a bit of an interesting one, bit of an odd one that nobody's really clarified what it means or you know how many fights or anything like that. It was just out of the blue, he's going to turn up on some Frank Warren shows. So, so wait know. out for more information? Yeah, yeah. Because we'll cover it. If anything dramatic comes up, we can cover that. Yeah. Um, about two weeks after it's happened, because we haven't made a podcast. <laughs> you've got a fucking social. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <Jealous>. <laughs> <laughs> have anything? Has anything else been announced? Any uh, other fights or anything else? Um. Well, there's a big list of fights, I suppose, involving British fighters that are coming up. Um, I, I did a piece the other day well segued into it for uh, the website which has a list of like all the big British fights which we started with um, Eubank versus Blackwell I've done it like in diary order um, so feel free we'll quickly run through them okay. pipe in 
And then there's Brooke versus Bizier. That's all this Saturday night. A- April the 1st, over in America, you've got Adrian Broner, who is like the deplorable fake Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> um, there was a video the other day with that cunt on it as well. Sorry for you. Sir, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's so applicable. I'm not editing that out either. <laughs> um, where he was in, and like Broner's done these films before, where he there's like a, a, a tape of him with two prostitutes and stuff. He's just a deplorable <laughs> human in general. Um, but the one the other day that he did was somebody filmed him whilst he's paying for like his groceries and. I don't know the data, but say the groceries came to like $20 or something. Why his mate feels the need to film this, I don't know. But like, he gives the woman, say, a $100 bill or whatever. She gives him back all of his change in notes and he just throws them in the air going, Brona, don't need this money, baby. <laughs> Out of the he waits for it to count the money into his hand <laughs> and then throws it up in the air and walks off such a knobhead I don't need no money but I do thrive on attention and yeah. watching people count money into my hand yeah and you just think like you're not liked for a very very good reason so anyway April 1st he's fighting Ashley Theophane who's a Londoner um, this is for the WBA uh, light welterweight title um out in America, Fearfane hasn't fought over in England for a long time. He's actually tied up now with Floyd Mayweather's money team. Um, he's been doing all right for himself out in America. He's another one. He's got like a handful of losses over in the UK, but has rebuilt over there. Quite, I, I don't know the background to it. I'll be interested. Um, like how he got picked from everybody to be kind of nurtured by Floyd Mayweather. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure the information's out there. I've just never really looked into it, but. Uh, yeah, he's now got himself a world title shot, like a little bit out of the blue, really. He doesn't overly deserve it, if we're being harsh, uh, against Theophane. So that's April the 1st. April. So can I just, onto the Broner, you compared him to Floyd Mayweather. Am I correct in thinking the only comparable attributes are the fact that they're both obsessed with money <laughs> and attention through money? Yeah. So, so who do you expect to win that fight? Broner, Theophane. Brona should win it. Um, you always just... With Brona, you don't know how well he's prepared for things. Um, if he turns up 80%, <coughs> he should win that fight. What was he buying at the supermarket? He's all buying beers. I reckon I he's going to win. Another, like, in between <laughs> fights, you'll see him at like, their photos of them at basketball games. He's looking about £30 overweight. <laughs> <laughs> Sat with massive Cokes and... Uh, yeah, it's just a really odd one. Like, he doesn't yeah, take that it is a weird. Serious. Um, he should win it. If he's at 70%, he should win it. Because uh, Theophane is limited. But it depends what turns up. Okay. April 9th, we've got Joshua Martin over in London. <coughs> Same card. You've got Lee I'm looking Selby. forward to that. Yeah, it'd be good. Same card as Lee Selby defending his IBF featherweight title against Eric Hunter. Which uh, is a bit underwhelming, to be honest. Um, April 16th you've got Gary Russell Jr uh, fighting against Patrick Highland the Irishman um, for the WBC featherweight championship out in America it's a little bit under the radar really Highland um, it's the same division that Lee Selby's in yeah like Highland's gone really under the radar he's been picked off for this he's a good fighter Highland um, I think Russell Jr. will be too much for him. Russell Jr.'s only losses to Vasil Lomachenko. He's a good fighter. Um, and on the same night, April 16th, you've got Stephen Smith. So he's a brother of Callum and Paul and uh, Liam, current world title holder. He's fighting Jose Pedraza for the IBF Super Featherweight title out in America. Um, Smith's only loss came to Lee Selby a few years back so he's a you know it's a big challenge for him April 30th you've then got James DeGale fighting Rogelio Medina out in America it's a completely underwhelming title defence for DeGale there's another one where like when you talk about big fights being around the corner like he doesn't have big fights <laughs> it's 
He's been kind of sold out over in America a little bit, it seems, by Eddie. There was a video by the Gale the other day saying he really wants a homecoming fight, like come back to the UK with his belt. He won it out in America. His first defence was Luchin Butte out in Canada. Now his second defence is this Medina out in America. He signed an advisory agreement with Al Heyman. Um, so it's one of these ones where you're not quite sure who's looking after his career. But... Uh, who, who could he who could he feasibly fight in the UK? Well, I, I recognise it could be anyone, but like, is there any UK opponent that he could do fight in a homecoming? Not really. George Groves again, but mm. George Groves a bit tainted at the moment. Yeah. Uh, there's talk of Chris Eubank going up to super middleweight. Uh, Callum Smith would be the other one, undefeated, uh, but he's not a huge name, so. But they reckon, because um, on the same card, you've got Badu Jack, who was the one that beat George Groves when mm-hmm. he last fought for the world title. He's fighting Luchin Butte, who James DeGale just beat for his own world title. <laughs> so this is the same Luchin Butte who got beaten up by Carl Froch in Nottingham um, when Froch took his world titles. He then moved up to light heavyweight. Hasn't looked like good particularly at all. Manages somehow to get a world title shot against <laughs> James DeGale. He looked alright in that fight, but then James DeGale did his usual, like didn't really try for the last four or five rounds. So that's why Butte looked particularly good. DeGale didn't try and get him out of there. Off the back of that loss for a world title, his next fight is a world <laughs> title against Badu Jack. So Badu Jack will beat him, I'm sure. Like unless It's like a merry-go-round, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, do you remember in like the, the the mid-90s when you had all those crappy managers in the Premier League that just kept relegating teams? And yeah. then they come up and like... Oh, Dave Bassett will save us from relegation. <laughs> what makes you think that? He's relegated two teams already. Ian Dowie, like yeah. Trevor France. No, Trevor Francis. Um, or oh, whatever. I'm not going to keep going. Um, you are listening to a boxing podcast. I'll bring you back to boxing. Apologies. So yeah, no, it's a it's an odd one. Like Badu Jack will beat Luchin Butte. I'm sure, unless there's something wrong with Jack on the night. So the idea would be then that you'd get Badu Jack's a WBC title holder, the Gale is the IBF super middleweight title holder. They should be, you know, pointing towards each other at that point. They're fighting on the same card, same night. They should have a, a unification at some point coming up as their next fights. Whether that's back in the UK, I don't know. I'd be surprised, really. I, Badu Jack doesn't have any particular presence over here, whereas the Gale has now fought twice in America after this one plus once in Canada, it just seemed it made more sense to have it out in America, so I don't know, we'll see um, same night is Billy Joe Saunders versus Max Bursack I hate that fight, so we're not talking about it um, mm-hmm. May 7th, Amir Khan Samuel Alvarez, and America same night, Derek Chisora fights Kubrick Pulev for the European heavyweight title, uh, and that's also an IBF uh, eliminator. And these have all been announced yeah, like, been the thing is, in America, they have Showtime, which one of their big channels mm-hmm. that covers boxing, um, and they essentially announce like a season's worth of stuff in advance. So that's why a lot of this stuff comes out at once, right? Okay, because a lot of these fights happen out in America. Uh, yeah, Chisora Pulev, which is an IBF title eliminator, which means Aww. if <laughs> Chisora came through it, he'd be in line to fight Anthony Joshua if Anthony Joshua wins. Um, I don't know. I suppose it's kind I don't of. Want to see it. No. <laughs> it a terrible fight. Yeah. Oh, uh, same night. Um, so yeah, May seventh got Khan Alvarez, Chisora Pulev, and Anthony Crawler against Ismail Barroso. Um, Barroso is the undefeated southpaw that beat Kevin Mitchell uh, and retired Kevin Mitchell in December. Uh, a lot of people thought Crawler would try and find a way to get out of the fight and they haven't so fair play that's a dangerous one um, May 21st Ricky Burns fights Michelle Di Rocco of Italy uh, up in Scotland so the winner of that that's for the WBA regular light welterweight title mm-hmm. winner of that fights the winner of Rona Theophane we discussed earlier right um, for the regular WBA super title at that point. Oh, right, was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've rolled my eyes in disdain. Yeah. Uh, final one, June 4th. It's been an- now, or it's been rumoured. The fight's been announced. Um, 
the date's only rumoured at present. Tony Bellew gets to fight for the WBC Cruiserweight title. Um, be his third world title shot after losing to Cleverly and Adonis Stevenson. He'll fight Ilungu Makabu um, for the WBC Cruiserweight title. How strong is the Cruiserweight division at the moment? Good. Good. There's a lot of Eastern European powerhouses, like fucking dangerous fighters. Um, and yeah, like there's talk of that fight being at Goodison Park, which is where uh, Bellew had Shit, his Bellew. fight in Creed. Um, oh, right, okay, yeah. Yeah, so there's talk of that happening. Um, which, I don't know, that'd be a really dangerous fight for Bellew. I think he'd get wiped out. What I've seen him in the I don't know a lot about him, but, uh, he's a big <laughs> but you know enough about Bellew to yeah. know he's going to get watched out. <laughs> I know enough about one half of that fight. <laughs> I think I know which one I would favour to win it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a title that was held by Gregory Droz. Uh, Droz. And Makabu Makubu was in line to fight for the title. Droz has been made champion and recessed because he hasn't been able to defend it I think since May last year because he's injured so fair enough like at that point you can there's no talk of him returning at the moment so you make him champion in recess and you then get people to fight for it I've no issue with that at all um, Makabu was the person in line to fight for it <coughs> and then Bellew was ranked about number 7 I think so there's right so logical Logical yeah, then. So who would you pick to fight as the two people for it? Yes, the number one contender, and then you get the person who play the most. Well, Shannon Briggs weren't available, so. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you get a person who's willing to pay the most, which would be Tony Bellew and Eddie Hearn, um, which is clearly what fucking happened. Because in no other way, he would reasonably deserve that fight. It's uh, it's clear boxing politics at its best. You get a man who doesn't deserve a fight gets a world title fight. Well, it has even happened a lot, doesn't it? Um, Chisora's had enough title fights. Um, as fights. we just doesn't yeah. need to have a title. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, well, I'm discussing something the other day. My memory's just completely defeated me here that about someone who does exactly that just keeps getting shots all the time, and I can't remember who it is, so I'm not going to labour the point. Um, all right, I guess that's pretty much us caught up then. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of <clears throat> a bit of an overview, really, of what to expect in the next three, four months. There's some decent fights in there, some really good stuff. Okay. Hopefully better than the first three months of this year. Especially the potential Shannon Briggs-Joshua um, yeah. fight that we don't know is going to happen. Yeah, we'll happen. start building it now, it'll definitely happen in six months. Briggs, Briggs, Briggs. Okay. <laughs> um, right, well, I guess it's time for us to say goodbye. So uh, I'm not going to even guess when we're going to do another podcast because maybe next week we'll see. <laughs> definitely, actually, definitely next week. Not next week. Actually. <laughs> yeah. Weekend, it? it's a yeah. Busy one. So um, oh, it was Jerry France I was thinking of. Jerry, oh, brilliant, good. <laughs> he did all right for us at Spurs. Screw <laughs> you, with mullet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. I'll speak to you later. Beat it up, 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 beat it up